doing know your Bible, you know that you've got to get everything into context, first of all. So let's get it into context where Paul is and where he's writing to. There we go. Thank you. So Paul is based in Ephesus when he writes this letter, which is right in the middle there. And he's writing to, it says to the churches in Galatia. You can see Galatia is up here. Up there. It's in a little bit light. Galatia, just under Ancria. Um, And so there's probably a few churches in that area that he was writing this letter to. So he's across there, very much in the Roman Empire. Ephesus um, was where Rome had established their religion. The Temple of Diana was there, uh, very much a Roman spot. Galatia, a lot closer towards Israel, um, a lot further away. And it seems that some of the uh, Jewish people had come up to Galatia and were trying to convince the Galatian Christians, who were a mix of Jewish and Gentiles, that they had to effectively become Jews and follow the law in order to please God. So that's the context. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, um, kind of a modern translation would be, have you gone stark raving mad? Who has bewitched you? Um, it's literally like that in the Greek. It's who has convinced you to go down this weird and wonderful path that you've gone down. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. We came and we, we preached this thing. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's a rhetorical question. Are you so foolish? He's going to say this a lot. He was really, really mad. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you Do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And uh, the context of that, talking about Abraham, is Genesis chapter 15, where God comes to Abraham. Uh, he was Abraham at that time. He didn't have the H-A in his name. And he's, Abraham's moaning. He's saying, I don't have a child. Who's going to take over from me? Who's going to get all my inheritance? And God says to him, you will have a child. Um, he says, it's not going to be one of your servants who will your, become your heir. But you, God says, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and, 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 and number the stars. Count them if you're able to count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And this is the key verse. And he believed, Abraham believed the Lord and God counted to him as righteousness. So Paul writing to the church in Galatia. Now, a little bit more context. Um, Acts chapter 19, which is a fantastic kind of pivotal chapter in Acts, um, says this. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth... So just for context again, there's Corinth, a little bit to the left up here. So Paulus, we know, had come from Alexandria, had come to Ephesus, met with Aquila and Priscilla. They had explained the gospel more clearly to him and said, listen, if you want to see a church that's really cooking and, and knows how this thing works, go across to Corinth that Paul planted. And so Paulus was in Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Paul had been in Jerusalem or in Antioch, and he'd come through the inland country, so not via the sea, got to Ephesus. 
Um, and there he found some disciples, some guys, random guys standing around looking like disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, how did you get saved, basically? Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, oh, okay, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, and these were probably the team that Paul carried on with him in, uh, in Ephesus and beyond. Then it says, he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some of them became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so two years and three months, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so Asia, you can see in the yellow, the big one, that's that whole area there. I know it's got bigger since then, but in those days it kind of went up to about here. So, um, and Galatia obviously is in Asia. So all of those guys, I mean, it says everyone there. It must have been an amazing revival time. So based in little Ephesus, they were teaching every day and people would have been coming and going from these different towns all there in that uh, province of Asia, including Galatia, and the gospel would have gone out, and those people would have heard the gospel and got saved, got saved in the context of Paul having just baptized 12 guys in the Holy Spirit. So they started off believing, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they preached for two years in power every single day, imagine having daily meetings for two years, people coming in from all over Gauteng and maybe beyond to come visit, to hear the gospel, um, seeing miracles, seeing the evidence of the gospel, going back, um, and then Paul gets word that these poor churches in Galatia had, had been told, listen, you've got to, you've basically got to become Jewish, you've got to follow the law, you've got to get circumcised, these poor Gentile men have to now go get circumcised, that's a terrible thing to happen, if you're wondering, it's just, you don't want to do it, it's really bad, and then, you know, follow all the religious stuff that they had to do, and Paul goes out of his mind, says, you, you are crazy, 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 you started off Believing in Jesus, full to the Holy Spirit, and now you're trying to do things in your own strength. Um, and so that's, that's the context. But I want to bring it back to today. I believe that we can, be, we can be as foolish when it comes to our relationship with God. This is not something new. It started then. Uh, we can be witched or led astray, convinced that something that is not God's intent or plan for us. Um, and that's... That's what happened there. And I feel like God is asking us today this thing. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And Paul's whole message to the churches here in Galatia, and it's recorded in Scripture, so it's for us as well, is, is you know, we, when we get saved, it's like, okay, God, you need to save me. She was talking about the the raft that God puts out, the rescue, the, what do you call it? The life raft, thank you. The life raft that goes out. And all we have to do is grab hold of it. Uh, God, God, God is the one, you know, the, the picture is the guy shipwrecked somewhere off, I don't know, St. Helena, somewhere down south there. And uh, desperate, thinks he's going to die. And a rescue gets sent out from Cape Town, costs millions of rands to get the ship out there. 
And eventually, you know, they get to this guy and they throw him a life raft and they say, listen, we've come through all the storms and we've made it and we found you. And here's the life raft. And he says, you know, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll swim. I'm all right. I'm good. Grabbing the life raft is just the start. You know, then we get on the ship, we get rescued. Then we think, okay, now we have to do it in our own strength. And God is saying, no, the way you start is the way you finish. So I said, we've got to finish in the spirit. We can't start off saying, well, I'm going to believe in Jesus and he's going to rescue me. And then, uh, and then once I get to a place of kind of, I don't know, being saved for a while, now I can rescue myself. Now I can do things myself. Now I can sort, sort myself out. Now I can be good all by myself. Paul basically says to the church, why suddenly now do you need anything over and above believing Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit? And I feel that that's what he's saying here. So let's have a look at this. And I want to I spend a little bit of time having this. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Um, and we do. We do begin by the Spirit. And it's completely by the Spirit. John chapter 3, Jesus comes to Nicodemus' house. Nicodemus is a, is a Pharisee. He's in Jerusalem. And Jesus, he asks Jesus a bunch of questions. And Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, I love it when Jesus says truly, truly. It's like, like I'm God and I always speak the truth. But what I'm about to say is like truth upon truth. So we must listen. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes to. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And when we're born again, it is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do anything to make that process happen. Just like Melissa's got a little baby inside of her, that baby is going to get born at some stage. That is a miracle in the flesh, but this is a miracle in the Spirit. God does the same thing. He gives us this new life. That baby can't create its own new life. God has to give it life, um, and you'll see it full of life in a few weeks' time, I think. Is that right? It's, it's a complete, just as physical birth is a complete miracle, spiritual birth, being born in the Spirit, is being born by the Spirit, is a complete miracle. We can't affect these things. We can't make them happen. We can't choose. It's, it's a response, yes, but it's, God does everything. He's the one who does everything to get us there. Um, Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him... We have also, through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we, in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Listen to this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were not looking for God, we were rejecting God, we were, we were complete, completely cut off from God, and God says, right, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to initiate the plan, I'm going to save mankind. Uh, therefore, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved from Him 
by, sorry, saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if we were still, if we were enemies, <laughs> let me try and read this properly. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we shall rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. So God says, that I, I gave you the law so that you can very clearly see what sin is. And in fact, if you go through the whole of Romans, by giving you the law, you now know what is very clearly what is right and wrong. And because humans are so bad, you actually start to sin more because now you know what sin is all about. And so um, before you didn't really know, but now you know. And, and the result is not that you try and be better. The result is you try and be worse. That's how we are as humans. So that when the law came, it increased the sin. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The more you sin, the more Jesus' um, death on the cross saves you. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus has done absolutely everything. We are bent and broken as humans. We are, we are bent towards sin. If we left to our own devices, we just get worse and worse. And Jesus said, I came in and the worse you got, the more I, I save you. In other words, Jesus saves every single one of us absolutely completely. You may think you're good, you may think you're bad, it doesn't actually matter. Jesus can save you 100% completely, and He does it all for us. We don't have to do anything to do that. And God, But God wants our lives to be a testimony. So like the Galatian church, He didn't want them to now run around trying to do good on their own, because what's the point of that? You're saved, it's to glorify God, and we live our lives to glorify God. In fact, Romans 6, straight after this, so Paul, is, um, yeah, Paul has just said to the, the church in Rome, you know, the more you sin, the more Jesus can save you. The more His grace will cover you. So, so the, the argument then in the beginning of Romans 6 is, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? No, by no means. No, 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 no. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus we're baptized into his death. We were buried. Now that word baptize is a, it is a Greek word. The Greek word is baptizo. So you can hear it's a transliteration, not a translation. It's, so the English word sounds the same as the Greek word. But we don't use baptize outside of a church context. As, I don't. Does anyone else hear? It's one of those words that we stuck with in church. Now it... Baptizo, in, in Greek, you would baptizo your rusk in coffee. So we would use the word dunk, maybe, or, I don't know, immerse. Um, that's the word. So we put something in. So rusk is a great example. It's nice and crispy and dry when you start. You stick it into the coffee, and it, it changes completely. It becomes all soggy and coffee-ish and easy to eat at that point. It changes its complexion completely, and that's what what Paul is saying. He says, we were baptized. We were dunked into Christ. We were put there. That's why you can baptize people in water because it's, you're dunking them in water. You're putting them under. They, come, they go and dry. They come out all wet. It's, uh, but, but he says, here's the picture. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. When we go under the water, it's like we were buried completely. In order first that just as Christ was raised in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
So we die to the old self. We go through that process of baptism. We come back up out the water and, and we, are, um, we are immersed in Jesus. And we get to walk in the newness of this new life. And how do we do that? So John 14, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Nice and simple. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So it's not just you're going to keep them by your own strength. No, here's the deal. I'm going to ask my Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And I think a few weeks ago I said that word helper, it's a, it's a very uh, insipid translation because we think of someone who you know, helps you as in sweeps the floor, washes the dishes. Um, that's not the helper we're talking about. The helper could also be translated an advocate. So when you go to court, and you need someone to, who really, really understands the law, who's going to represent you. They say, let's say Rob's in court for doing something really bad. That his advocate will say, Rob, don't say a word because you're going to mess things up. I'm, I'm here to help you because I know much, much more than you do. And I'm the one who's allowed to speak to the judge. And I'm the one who's going to get you off the hook because, you know, let's say he didn't do something bad, but people thought he did. Now the advocate's got to argue and prove that he actually is innocent. All right, so the advocate gets up and says, right, judge, you know, based on this and this and this and this law, and Rob's going, wow, I'm learning new things every five seconds as my helper is talking to the judge. And eventually the advocate will get Rob off because Rob is innocent, but he has to go through the process of explaining that and convincing the, the judge that Rob is innocent. And that's the, so God says, I'm going to give you another helper to be with you forever. Someone who is much better at life than you are, who understands life way better than you do, who knows all about how to live this, this newness of life. And he's going to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. So not only do we get this helper kind of alongside of us, but God says he's going to actually live inside of us, and we're going to get to know him intimately. And then two chapters later, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And then a, a little while later, after Jesus had died and was resurrected again, He says to His disciples in Acts in Jerusalem, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, which he said, you heard from me. Remember, before I, I died, I was telling you about this. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So these scared, frightened disciples... We're going to get the Holy Spirit who Jesus says he's going to come and he's going to, he's, going to, um, he's going to be your helper. He knows about life better than you do. He's going to lead you into truth. Um, he's going to teach you. He's going to remind you of stuff. And he's going to teach you about things that are, explain to you about things that are still to come. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, I want to give you a little bit of my, my testimony. Um, when I was 16 years old, uh, I was a South Coast surfer Dan. Um, Sarah Joy will explain to you what that all is. I had no real 
I was a little bit apathetic to life. I had no real ambition in life. I wasn't particularly going anywhere. Um, I would literally get home from school, jump on my bike with my board bag, ride to the beach, surf all afternoon, hope that someone would, would come fetch us because it was uphill back home. Um, you know, sit there, we'd buy, we had a little bit of money, buy half a loaf of bread with a packet of knickknacks, and that was afternoon snack. And, and that was it. And there was kind of a lifestyle associated with that. Fortunately, I didn't get into any of that lifestyle, but all sorts of things that were not particularly helpful. And my parents managed to get me to go off to a youth camp that December holiday. And uh, I clearly remember sitting in a meeting and someone was preaching on the Holy Spirit. And I turned to the guy next to me who was kind of a leader and I said to him, I would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know why I said that. Um, I was saved. I knew who Jesus was, but I wasn't you know, I, was, I wasn't going anywhere at all with my life. And in fact, I think had I remained like that, I would have ended up, um, I don't know where I would have ended up, not, not in a good place. And so this guy said, sure, I'll pray with you afterwards. So then afterwards, there were, I don't know, four or five of us who went to this little side room and we, and we prayed. And I'd, I honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have any kind of preceived notions of what to happen. I'd read in the Bible that you know, the Holy Spirit came on the disciples in the upper room. So I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, it was literally like a waterfall just opened up and from above me and just came down. The most glorious, pure kind of liquid. I just felt washing through my mind, through my body. Um, and I was crying and shaking, and the other people around were. And it was literally phys- very physical. The Holy Spirit came and, and filled us. I don't know how else better to say that. And we were all like, wow, what just happened? Then we went back into the main hall, and, and all we wanted to do was worship. So we literally convinced the guy who was leading worship to sit down, back down on the piano. Now, this is, I don't know, latest at night. I don't know what time exactly. And people were drink, drinking Milo or hot chocolate or whatever it was and getting ready to go to bed. And we were like, no, no, we want to worship some more. So he started worshiping. And then the next thing, other people came in who hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit came in. And then they started getting filled with the Holy Spirit in the main auditorium. And there were people then looking like there were guys that come, you know, there were guys who were playing pool. And someone said, you've got to come and see what's happening. So I remember these guys coming with their, their pool cues, standing there, with these big eyes, looking to see what was going on. This amazing, very real thing. And then eventually the leader said, listen, guys, it's now midnight. You've got to go to bed. You know, we're responsible to make sure you get to sleep. And we we're like, no, no, but we want to worship. And they said, okay, we'll we'll." concede we'll make a concession with you we will have a half an hour prayer meeting till twelve thirty, and then you have to go to bed we are okay we, as long as we can pray for 30 more minutes we're good i mean i was this like loser surfer dude who now all i wanted to do was was worship and then the next morning i remember we came we said can we start the meeting early so we can start worshiping again and that, i mean i suppose it would be wonderful if you're a um a leader of that and and I remember coming home, and all I wanted to do was study Scripture. I just wanted to read the Bible, and I would read and read and read and read and try and understand the Bible, not because of anything I'd done, but because the Holy Spirit was, a, was in me. I was, a, you know, I was a, a bit of a disaster as a person, and then God rest, literally rescued me and saved me. And then that was the beginning of my matric year. I had an amazing matric year, and then went off to Varsity, still riding on this... Um, this kind of amazing sense of the Holy Spirit with me. So today, 35 years later, I'm still acutely aware that without the Holy Spirit, I would be a bit of a disaster. 
I know that. I know who I am. You know, I, I know that I'm kind of still have to live by the Holy Spirit. I don't pretend to try to think that I can be a good person on my own. I, you know, I'm not as maybe as doff as the Galatians, or maybe I'm more doff or more naive. I don't know. I'm just very aware that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit in my life, I would, it would be a disaster of a life. And I, and I know that I stand here, I'm literally a living, breathing testimony to the grace of God in my life. And I, I, I'm a, I do, I, I've said it before, I wake up every morning with this kind of sense of relief that, thank goodness God loves me, even though I'm not deserving of His love. Thank goodness the Holy Spirit is still with me. Um, and thank goodness I can, you know, live the life that God has for me to live. Um, because the one I had was a, you know, was going, was literally going nowhere. So, Romans six four to walk in the newness of life. We do it not by trying harder. This is very. Listen carefully here. We do it not by trying harder to be good, but by getting closer. And Ange mentioned that to the six guys before. Don't try and work harder. Try and get closer to God. Get a different perspective. Put your head above the clouds and see what's going on. Hebrews chapter 4 says this amazing thing. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So let's, let's stick with the belief that we have. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence, listen to this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so what, what the, the writer of Hebrews is saying is that we need to draw close to the throne of grace. We need to come into God's presence. And we're going to find two things here. We're going to receive mercy if we've sinned. God God can give us mercy because his entire justice was dealt with at the cross and find grace. Now, mercy is, is not getting what you deserve. So you, we, all deserve, we all deserve to be banished from God's presence. We all deserve to go to hell. Um, but we don't get that. That's mercy. And we find grace. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Thank you. <laughs> it's like living... Living simply and loving, what's it? <laughs> sincerely, living sincerely and loving simply. We, mercy, <laughs> I know, I know. Mercy is not, is, is not getting what we do deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. And we, we get that because we can draw near to the throne of grace. And, and if you're like me, I was, um, I was praying, I don't know, a few weeks ago maybe, and I was just saying, Lord, I don't know, you know, how do you, how do you deal with me? Like, um, I, I, I still kind of have this bent towards wanting to, to be sinful. And, and, and I felt God kind of chuckle and say, hey, Pete, do you think you're the worst sinner that I've ever had to deal with? <laughs> you know, do you, do you honestly think I'm like, oh, no, this is, this is the one that I, I just, you know, I, I sent my son, I put this plan in place for all of eternity. I sent my only son to die for all of humans and, but, but this kid, Pete, you know, he's, he's the disaster that I can't deal with. It's like, God's like, get real, my boy. I know how to sort you out. I know how to deal with you. 
I know how to get you living the right way. I've done this before. I will do it again. And if you're ever in that place, and this is, I think, one of the schemes of the devil is to come and say, listen, you are too bad. You are too consistently bad to, for God. You know, God's going to give up on you eventually. And I can tell you now, God will never, ever give up on you. That's why he said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then Romans 15 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I love that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So all we have to do is believe. The message says it like this, that being filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, we will brim over with hope. And God, this morning, I believe, is saying this thing. Let us not be like the Galatians. Let us not start to go down the road of thinking, I've got to sort this out myself. I've got to, I've got to become a better person myself. I've got to put some things in place and some disciplines. I've got, to, I've got to make it happen. It sounds a little bit like the devil when we say it like that. I will ascend to the throne of God. You remember, that's what the devil said in, where is it? Psalm somewhere, Isaiah, somewhere in the Old Testament. Um, it's not about us. Um, this, the song we sang earlier, it's, it's all about you, Jesus. And when it comes to God's going to, I honestly believe the Holy Spirit is starting to put some things in our hearts and saying, this is what the future looks like. Um, this is where you, what Ange brought now, those six guys, God's, God's got a tipping point for you right now. But you can't make it happen. The way you're going to make it happen is to get close to God. The way you're going to happen is to, with confidence, draw close to the throne of God. The throne of grace, sorry. And at the throne of grace, you will find mercy and you will receive grace. And that gives us the power to start living the way God wants us to live. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. It's a, it's a wonderful place to live. It really is. In believing. May, God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. As we choose to believe this, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And there's this wonderful place we can get to where we just, we look at our lives and go, God, I could not have made this happen on my own. I know I could not have made this happen. I know I could not. We've been married for 26 years now. This is, well, next year will be 27 years. I, I, I cannot imagine the Peter Mannings that I know, the unsanctified Peter Mannings, managing to stay married for 26 years to a wonderful wife, with a wonderful son, with incredible testimony over our lives for so many years. That's not something I've made happen. I can guarantee you that. That's something that I've clung to that throne of grace and said, God, please will you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your power to do these things. Not only on that day when I was 16 years old and God rescued me dramatically. That was a dramatic day. It was a wonderful day. It's a great kind of cornerstone I can look back in in my life and say I know that that happened but when I began there and there'd be many times if I'm honest that I've tried to make it happen on my own and it's been a disaster but I've I've got to the place where I've said God I can't I can't do this on my own and God's like yes well done and then you know you you God comes in and gives you grace and you carry on for a while and then you start trying again and then you go oh I can't do this on my own and God's like 
yes, you're right. Let me help you. But for all of us, for this church, God has incredible plans for us. God wants to transform the city through us. God wants people's lives to be dramatically impacted with the gospel. And we're not going to do that on our own. We're not going to get people you know, to a place where they see, wow, this is what God has for my life and this is what I can have. And, and you know, you can't, I can't go and lay hands on someone and say, receive the Holy Spirit and try and make it happen myself. But I know that when God releases His Holy Spirit over people, it is a miracle. And it's, 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 it is life-changing. But it is life-changing every single day for the rest of your life, not just for that one particular day. And I, as I was preparing for this, I just, I was, my prayer was, I said, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't make people believe in you, Holy Spirit. I can do my very best to introduce the Holy Spirit to you. And I know many of you have had amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit. But I just feel like this morning, God wants to, God wants you to encounter His Holy Spirit again in an amazing way. So maybe could the, are the music still around? Could we get some musas up here? Let's pray. Let's stand together and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we want to invite you to come. And, and my prayer this morning is that people would be able to encounter you in a, in a fresh and a new way. Your word speaks, Lord, of living in a newness of life. And that's not something we can do on our own. That's not something we can even vaguely get close to. But when we get filled with your Holy Spirit, when we walk in step, as the Scripture says, with your Holy Spirit, there's an amazing sense of, of looking back on our lives and going, I could never have made that happen. That is just incredible. And, and that, um, that sense of looking at your own life and going, thank you, Lord, for the miracle in my life. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle in my marriage. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle in my children. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle in my work situation. Whatever it is for you, I feel like God wants us to walk in that way where we're constantly amazed at what God is doing every single day in our lives. I feel like for, for many of us here, God wants to give us a testimony that we'll look back in two years' time or five years' time or six months time or even in a week's time and go God thank you I could never have made this happen on my own no matter how difficult or bad or desperate or impossible your situation may look I feel like God is saying do you honestly think this is the worst I've had to deal with trust me Trust that I can fill you with my Holy Spirit. Trust that I can get you out of this situation. It's just wonderful even to have Natalie share a testimony. She's going through a terrible time. But to be able to say, I have thrown my all at God. I cannot get myself out of this hole by myself. But I'm looking to Him and to His Holy Spirit to give me a testimony in, even in this difficult situation. As we prayed for Paul, Fandersant, just terrible thing to fall down and collapse and not be able to use your limbs anymore. And to be able to throw yourself at God and say, God, I need you to heal me completely. I need a testimony in this terrible situation.
And I feel this morning God wants to give us testimonies. And so I just, I'm not going to call anyone out, but I, I do want us to set our attention on the Father, on that throne of grace here this morning. I feel like there's an opportunity to look to that throne of grace, to draw near. And you can do it with confidence because Jesus did everything for you on that cross. There is nothing stopping you coming in to that throne of grace. And I feel for some of, some of us, we need to find mercy. And for all of us, we need to find grace. And I feel like God wants to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit over many people here this morning. So let's set our attention on that throne of grace. Let's fix our attention on our Heavenly Father. I feel like he's going to release his Holy Spirit over us here this morning. Thank you, Lord.